Saturday, January the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Pentagon's Russia warning and stock markets rally. First, the week in brief. Officials at the Pentagon warned that Russia has enough troops near Ukraine to invade the entire country, and that any attack could happen with little warning. America's Defense Secretary described the range of options available to Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, from, quote, provocative political acts like the recognition of breakaway territories to, quote, the seizure of cities and significant territories. Earlier, Mr. Putin told Emmanuel Macron, his French counterpart, that he wants to work with the West to avoid conflict. Stock markets in America closed higher on Friday after a volatile trading week. The S&P 500 climbed by 2.4%, its biggest one-day gain since June 2020. The tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite rose by 3.1%, erasing losses from earlier in the week. Strong earnings from Apple helped lighten the mood of investors, who had grown jittery at the prospect of interest rate hikes. The cost of employing workers in America grew by 4% in 2021, its biggest jump in two decades. However, according to the Employment Cost Index report, which measures changes in wages and benefits, the rate of growth slowed in the final quarter of the year. Good news for those concerned that rising labour costs are helping to feed America's high inflation. Alberto Fernandez, Argentina's president, said the country had reached an understanding with the IMF after more than a year of negotiations about the restructuring of the country's unaffordable debts. The plan foresees a reduction in the fiscal deficit from 3% in 2021 to 0.9% by 2024, in part through more efficient tax collection. Any deal must yet be approved by Argentina's Congress. Nearly 40% of people in Tigray, a region in northern Ethiopia racked by civil war, lack adequate access to food, said the World Food Programme. Aid groups have struggled to reach cut-off areas, and no aid convoy has managed to enter Tigray since mid-December. The conflict, which broke out in November 2020, has killed thousands of people and displaced millions. A federal judge in America annulled an oil and gas lease sold in the Gulf of Mexico, arguing that it failed to account for its impact on the environment. The judgment casts uncertainty over the future of the Biden administration's offshore drilling programs. The leases were auctioned for a total of $190 million in November, but were challenged by a coalition of environmentalists. France's economy grew by 7% in 2021, the fastest expansion since 1969. Growth was driven by increased consumer spending and business investment. The French statistics agency said GDP has now, quote, significantly exceeded its pre-crisis levels. In Spain, the economy grew by 5% in 2021, the quickest expansion in 21 years, but still below the government's target of 6.5%. And word of the week, menche menche, a reduplication of the verb, quote, Menche, to lie in Brazilian Portuguese. 
invented by a newspaper to criticise the country's president, Jair Bolsonaro. And now, here's today's agenda. America's response in Ukraine. Joe Biden, America's president, has ruled out sending troops to Ukraine should it be attacked by Russia. But his party does not plan to sit idly by. Democrats in the House of Representatives are speeding up a bill that would expand security assistance to Ukraine and prepare tough sanctions on Russia. It would give Ukraine $500 million in military assistance, a boost from the $412 million it got last year, as well as surplus arms and money for counter-propaganda efforts. It would also impose sanctions on President Vladimir Putin, among other Russian officials, and on the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia to Germany in the event of war. The Senate is working on a separate bill that would do much the same, but the two parties are not on the same page. Republicans want to unleash sanctions on Nord Stream 2 now before an attack takes place. Democrats want to keep their powder dry. Italy's messy presidential election The election of an Italian president grinds into a sixth day on Saturday, having caused widespread political damage. After a string of inconclusive ballots in the Electoral College, made up of more than 1,000 lawmakers and regional delegates, the leaders of the right ordered their followers to vote for the Senate Speaker, Elisabetta Casalati, in the first of two ballots on Friday. But voting for the president is secret. Electors can do as they please, and many ignored their instructions, leaving Miss Casalati far short of a majority. Cue recriminations on the right, whose leaders had already infuriated the left by failing to agree on a mutually acceptable candidate. That might not otherwise matter, except that parties from both sides are represented in Mario Draghi's broad coalition government. Mr Draghi might now become the compromised choice for president, but the alliance he assembled has been severely battered, and that risks leading to a snap election. Jay Diller's Musical Innovations In his biography of the hip-hop producer Jay Yancey, known as Jay Diller, Dan Charnas makes the bold claim that he, quote, reinvented rhythm by placing beats in the, quote, wrong places. Indeed, Diller's best productions feel woozy and destabilising. Mr Charnas argues that Diller reshaped hip-hop and the wider world of pop by adding a human element to music that had become mechanistic. Diller Time attempts to be more than a biography. Interpolated between its chapters on Diller's life are others that explain how musical time works and how Diller interpreted it in the tracks he made for himself and others. It's most compelling when those two strands come together. In the section on the Solquarians Collective, who were behind D'Angelo's album Voodoo, the air of artists discovering new possibilities within music is palpable. Diller Time does what good music books should do, send you back to the source material. Robot Referees Are umpires doomed? For centuries, sports have relied on human judgment to interpret the rules. 
that athletes might get a rum decision has always been part of the game. But as more money has come to rest on outcomes, sports administrators have turned to technology in search of total accuracy. Estimates suggest that Major League Baseball umpires call pitches right about 95 times out of 100. Soon though, AAA Baseball, the level just below the Major Leagues, will employ the automated ball strike system. It was first introduced elsewhere in professional baseball in 2019. Plenty of other sports also use both human referees and video playback, though football fans dislike the time it can take for decisions to be reached. So far, the best technology intervenes quickly, rarely and accurately. Hawkeye now feels like an essential part of top-level tennis. But administrators may miss what umpires bring to the pitch, humanity, humour and expertise, which far outweigh the odd howler. Weekend Profile Eileen Gu, China's champion skier Gathering speed, she approaches the kicker and launches into the air. Next, she twists, and briefly, all is a blur. Then she lands, pumping her arms in triumph. In November, Eileen Gu became the first female freestyle skier to perform a, quote, double cork 1440. The trick requires four 360-degree spins, including two backflips. Such feats won the teenager from San Francisco a spot on Team USA. But in 2019, she gave that up to compete for China. Miss Gu was 11 years old when Beijing won the contest to host the 2022 Winter Olympics, which begin on February 4th. She says she wanted to represent China in the city of her mother's birth and broaden the sport's appeal there. It was her mother who first encouraged her to ski and later to take up freestyle, in which skiers are judged for the height and difficulty of jumps. She hoped it would be safer than racing. Miss Gu now competes in three of the sport's disciplines, halfpipe, slopestyle and big air. After skiing one season for America, aged 15, she swapped sides. She is not the first athlete to do so. China has a history of recruiting talented foreigners, especially those with Chinese heritage. For the Communist Party, the defection from America of the quote, Snow Princess, as she is known in China, was a propaganda coup she is sure to add gold to the host's medal tally. Sponsors and spectators love her. A bright, smiling icon, she is just what the party needed after international criticism over the mistreatment of Peng Shui, a Chinese tennis player. Many sporting bodies let dual citizens decide whom they want to represent. But China's law on citizenship does not recognise dual nationality. Naturalised citizens must renounce their other passports. Miss Gu has not made details of her nationality public, so speculation is rife. She considers herself American in America and Chinese in China. Quote, Nobody can deny I'm American. Nobody can deny I'm Chinese, she insists. Winter Quiz The winners of Week 7 Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Arun Gajale, Hosa, India, North America, 
Tom Driscoll, Houston, United States, Central and South America, Julian Guerrero, Mexico City, Mexico, Europe, Nicolas Giroux, Le, France, Africa, Lee Mullen Bernhardt, Nairobi, Kenya, Oceana, Paul Campbell, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of The Splash, Seattle, Phillips, and Philadelphia. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Willie Dixon, who died on this day in 1992. A bad rendition of you is better than a good rendition of somebody else. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 